Hey, Podians, welcome to episode 74 of the Yours Chuli podcast. My name is Claire. I am the non diet registered dietitian behind the Yours Chuli podcast, and welcome to 2020. La la la. <laughs> I have no idea why I just sang to that, but I feel like 2020 is worth singing about because it is a new decade, it is a new year, and I'm really, really excited to bring the third year of the podcast to you guys. I guess it's year like two and a half since we started in the middle of 2018 or was it 2017? All of the years are kind of running together for me but I am so truly grateful that you are here whether it's the 74th time you've been here on the podcast with me or the first and if it's your first time here a couple of things you should know about me I like puns I like PB&J and this podcast is really dedicated to helping you further and strengthen your intuitive eating journey by taking the principles of intuitive eating or you know all of these wonderful things that we read and we learn about and really figuring out how to implement them in your day-to-day life. So I'm really excited to get started on the first episode of 2020, talking about how you can create and set non-diet goals for yourself for this year that have nothing to do with restriction with weight loss, with, you know, cutting things out of your life that you enjoy, because if you didn't already know, January 15th is National Ditch Your Resolutions Day, and I really don't want you to have to participate in that, because I want you to start off this year on the most positive and nourished and sustainable foot for yourself. But before we get to the beef and potatoes, meat and potatoes, I think is the actual saying of today's episode, uh, let's do a little bit of a life update. Uh, We've taken about two or three weeks off of the podcast here, so I feel refreshed sitting behind the microphone. And actually, if you could see me right now in real life, you would probably laugh. I'm sitting on the floor of my bedroom. I think sometimes when people hear that you have a podcast, like our mind automatically goes to the super glamorous space of like, a podcast studio and you know just like everything is gold and shiny but in reality my friends I am sitting on the floor by my bed I want to see if the sound is better in here because this room is more carpeted than my office so we keep it real I I wish I had a chair in here if I'm being honest but we're gonna make it through second thing that I have really dove dove Dovin, dove, I think is the right word, into in 2020 is obviously not a dictionary. Maybe I need one of those, but is TikTok. Uh, Is anybody on this like TikTok train with me? I have spent the past couple of weeks absent from the podcast, but very, very present on TikTok. I've started creating some videos here and there. They're so much fun. If you are a TikTok fan, you should join me. Oh, I have someone calling me. We're going to decline that for the moment. (laughs) LOL. Beauties of recording it live and not wanting to hit the pause button. But if you're on TikTok, you should come join me. My name there is Claire Tuning. If you are like I was a few weeks ago and you're like, what the heck is TikTok? They are 15 second to one minute videos that are focused around music and sometimes there's dancing. And for me, it's just really a place to make more puns (laughs) and make more food jokes. So if you're interested, come and join me because I I've been having a blast as well as losing all of my free time. 
Uh, other than that, I can't really think of any major updates here at Yours Truly Nutrition that I need to let you know of. So I guess we're going to jump right in here with our first segment of the podcast, New Year, but not a new format here for the podcast because we always start out with our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. And then after we do this, I actually have something really fun and exciting to do that I have been teasing for the past couple of weeks we are going to draw here on live recording it won't be live when you're listening but I'm going to do the drawing for our first ever podcast giveaway while I am recording this so if you entered if you left a rating and a review stay tuned for the second little segment here but first in our yours to the goal slaying Facebook community we have been running a new year's challenge which is nothing like any of the other new years you know like detox fad challenges that are going on around this time of year. But I challenged everyone in this community to think about their intentions for 2020 and work to set one or two non-diet goals for themselves and share these with the community so that we could share, we could hold each other accountable, and we could maybe learn what some non-diet goals look like in other people's lives. So there have been a ton of entries and people sharing what they're working towards in the new year, Uh, but I wanted to share one that I thought might hit home with you who is listening today, and also it's going to tie in really well with the content of our episode today. So this is a member of our community, and she writes, I'm working on my new year's intention by working on my intuitive eating journal this morning, and I got my bullet journal on standby too. I'm reflecting on all the time and energy I have spent over the last 20 years of dieting. It's really sad and I wish I had come to this realization long ago. Of course, I can't change the past. I can only move forward. So onward I go. And then she included a picture here with her entry of the Intuitive Eating Workbook, which is a wonderful resource. If you are looking for more resources, I highly recommend that one as well as the Intuitive Eating Book. But the the photo that she has here has the question, how much time and money have you spent in the pursuit of weight loss? And the answer that she has written here in the picture is 20 years of my life that I will never get back and thousands on Weight Watchers, workout programs, books, apps, shakes. (laughs) I had trouble reading that, but shakes and supplements. And then she has written no more in all capitals, three exclamation points afterwards. So I wanted to bring this up because I think it's a really powerful point of conversation just to ask yourself, and again, this will tie in with our topic here in a moment, but how much time and energy and money have I invested over the course of my life in pursuit of the new diet trend, in pursuit of, you know, trying to change or manipulate my body? Because I think that can be really enlightening as far as why you want to move forward on this non-diet journey. So you can use your time, energy, financial resources for progress and for changes in your life that are actually going to get you somewhere sustainably in the long run rather than just being the cycle of yo-yoing up and down for 30 days, you know, three months, or maybe even over the course of 20 years as this member of our community is saying. 
So I think she brings up also another really wonderful point of you can't change the past. So I'm not bringing this up and encouraging you to think about this because I want you to feel guilty or to shame yourself. I think it's really important to know that, you know, for many individuals, diet culture... (laughs) Let me let me correct that. For all individuals, diet culture is really the water that we swim in. So if you've spent much of your life engaging in diet behaviors or, you know, pursuing the active pursuit of weight loss, it's not something to blame yourself for because odds are you were really just trying to do the best you could with the information that you had and you were probably trying to, you know, pursue greater health for yourself or maybe you were trying to uh, be more accepted or, or feel more accepted by those around you. So whatever intentions that you had or whatever drove you to diet in the past, Um, I want you to look back on that with as much compassion for yourself as you can because you deserve that and because you can't change that. The only thing, as she says here, that you can change moving forward is what you choose to do with your time, your energy, and your resources and using those things for self-care and self-compassion rather than for self-control and blaming and shaming your body and your food choices or whatever that might have looked like for you in the past. So I want to give a big shout out to not only this goal slayer, but to everyone who has been um, adding posts for our non-diet new year challenge, which by the time this episode airs, we will be wrapping that up. But needless to say, so much more awesome content will be coming out here in our Facebook community. So if you are not there already with us, please come and join us. We have daily posts. We have challenges that I plan on doing quarterly this year. I do weekly live video trainings every Thursday. So come hang out again if you're not there already. The way that you can get this application is A, you can look on my bio in Instagram. It'll have a link to the application to come join the free community. And the other way to do that is just type in the yours truly goal slayers in your search bar on Facebook. It will come up. You can hit request to join and then I will be messaging you privately. So keep an eye on your inbox with the link to that application. So, da 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 da, my fancy transition music that has not changed thus far in 2020. The second thing that we have to do right here today is to draw the winner of our first ever podcast giveaway. So, for those of you who entered, the good news is you don't have a ton of competition. There were about 10 of you who were so kind and generous to take a little bit of your time out of your day to leave a rating and a review and because of that, you are now entered to win. Drum roll, please. I don't know if you can hear that drum roll, but I was tapping on the ground. Very fancy over here, like I said. But you are entered to win a fresh copy of the Intuitive Eating book that I mentioned a few moments ago, a $25 Amazon gift card, which is super exciting, and also some fresh off the press Yours Truly merchandise that I haven't even officially announced yet. So what I have here, I have numbered everyone who has entered numbers one through 10. I have your name or your review name written down next to the number. And on my screen, I have a random number generator. So I've entered the minimum and the maximum numbers. And what I'm going to do here, moment of suspense, we'll leave it in silence. I'm hitting generate 
And nine is the number. So number nine is my friend JJ. <laughs> JJ, if you are listening, she left her um, Instagram handle as the name on her review, but I know it is her because we are friends. JJ, I'm so excited that you have one. Um, so what I would like you to do, and I can even message you since we are connected, but shoot me a message saying, hey, I listened to the podcast, I won the challenge, and we can figure out from there how I am going to send you those awesome resources. So thank you again so much, everyone who entered the challenge, who spent a little bit of your time not only listening and supporting the show, but also leaving a rating and a review. If you did not win, uh, rest assured that we will do more challenges like this in the future, and I'm going to include anyone who has already left a rating and a review, so there is still a chance for you. And of course, if you are listening and you come back to the podcast week after week and you love what we do, still don't hesitate to leave a rating and a review as it is really the best way for this podcast and this platform to grow and reach more individuals. So... I feel like I need another type of transition music because I already used the main type, but I can't come up with a jingle off the top of my head. So here's the same one. Da 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 da. There we go. Transition music to the topic that I want to focus on today, which is actually really similar to the non diet new year webinar that I just hosted this past week to help us ring in the new year in a non-diet way. So I got a lot of really wonderful feedback from this webinar, and to be totally honest with you, I meant to record the webinar and use the exact replay of that here on the podcast, but your girl forgot. New year, same, sometimes forgetful self. So I'm going to do kind of a mini version of that webinar that I presented. I have my notes here. I have my slides. So I'm going to convey a lot of that same information here. And also I've gotten some messages from people saying, oh my gosh, you know, the webinar link, the replay link has expired. Is there a way to still get that same content? So this is my way of providing that to you. You've already listened to the webinar. This can be a really great refresher and just a really great way to hone in what is a non-diet goal, uh, why do typical diet goals fail, and what is you know the science behind why they fail. And you know, okay, Claire, if these goals do fail, then how the heck do I set goals or wishes for myself for this year that will help to push me in a positive, more nourished direction rather than down the diet culture rabbit hole. So before we even dive into the the tactics and the strategies that I have for you, I think it's really important to ask yourself the question, why are you here? And by here, I mean, why are you listening to this podcast? Why do you follow my content or maybe the content of other non-diet dietitians on social media? What has driven you to want more of this information, to not want to learn about diets or, you know, the, the $72 billion diet industry here alone in the U.S.? You know, why are you here looking for a different solution? 
In the way that I see it, there are likely many different reasons why you are here, but I've summed up what I believe might be the main driving factor behind you being here, and I've summed them up into three. So the first one is what you're doing right now just isn't working. So maybe you have dieted in the past, you have tried everything under the sun, keto, whole 30, macros, air quote, lifestyle change, right? All of these things, you've tried them and they've led you to a place where you still aren't happy in your relationship with food. You still feel out of control around food. You don't feel happy or comfortable in your body. And you're a little bit confused because all of those diets promised all of those things, right? They promise greater control. They promise greater self-confidence. They promise feeling better. And they've led you to a place that you feel quite the opposite. So you're here wanting to learn more about intuitive eating because what you have been doing hasn't been working. I always like to say, well, you know, if what you have been doing was working, you might not be listening to this podcast right now. Maybe you would if you dislike my puns and my weird sense of humor, but more likely than not, you wouldn't be here if you were confident in whatever you were doing right now and the fact that it was working. Reason number two you might be here is because maybe you've hit a roadblock in your non-diet journey and you don't know how to get around it or you don't know how to get through it. So many, if not all of my clients come to me having looked into intuitive eating. They say, Claire, dieting was not working for me. It was stealing my joy. It was stealing my health, my happiness, my financial resources, as we talked about a few moments ago. So I'm here and I'm learning about intuitive eating. Maybe I've read the book. I have my hands on the workbook, as I mentioned a couple of moments ago, and I listen to all of these wonderful podcasts, but I don't really know how to take those principles of intuitive eating and make them a reality in my own life. Or maybe I understand intuitive eating up here. I'm pointing to my head right now. Like I understand it intellectually, but whenever I go to implement these principles or these practices in my unique daily life, I find myself feeling more confused and frustrated because I don't know how to make sense of them. And reason number three why you might be here is maybe you're scared about what might happen if you spend another year trapped in a negative relationship with food, movement, or your body. And I think this is a really important one, especially if you flash back to that goal slayer post that I shared a few moments ago, that individual and many other individuals who I have worked with or I'm currently working with have come to me saying, Claire... I've spent X number years of my life or I've spent thousands of dollars investing in these programs and they have led me to this place where I'm still not wanting or or I'm still not where I want to be and I cannot spend another year like this. I'm scared of what will happen if I don't take the leap, if I don't try something different because time is that one resource that we can't get more of, right? So if you are sitting here saying I need to do something different in 2020 but I don't know how, then I'm really happy and excited that you are here listening to this podcast in general but especially this episode because I hope to shed a little bit of light on some options that you might have that maybe you've never thought of before. 
And, and I want to even take this a little step deeper because all of these problems or reasons why you are here go even deeper, deeper or these problems are even more deeply rooted than what I'm even speaking about here. So if these problems or these issues around food and movement or your body aren't solved, then that could come at the expense of your relationships your friends, your family, your romantic relationships, whatever that might look like in your life, if you continue feeling obsessive or controlled by this negative relationship with food, what ends up happening, and I've seen it happen before, is you retreat from those you love and relationships really start to go downhill, which we all know that, you know, social health and emotional health and, you know, all of these dimensions of health that really fix on our relationships, not only only with ourselves but with those around us they also play a really big role in our health and health is not just physical your mental health could also come at the expense of not choosing to pursue a solution or, or a journey to get you away from these issues around food, right? We know I have this analogy that I use with my clients. I call it my mental energy pie chart. We have 100% of energy that we can dedicate to everything throughout our life on a day-to-day -day basis. And of course, food has to be a part of that because we have to eat to survive and to thrive but if we start pouring too much energy and thought and time into what am I eating what am I allowed to eat you know how much am I allowed to eat all of these very diety questions and these rules and regulations then that really comes at the expense of our mental health and our ability to do other things that might add a lot of value to our lives you might also feel that it's coming at the expense of your career, right? Job opportunities. Maybe if you're a student right now, I work with a fair amount of students. You can't be there fully in class absorbing all of the information that your professor is trying to teach you if you're A, not fueled properly, or B, maybe it's kind of a combination of both of these. If you're, you know, thinking about what you are going to eat or what you're not allowed to eat. Again, all of those things that I touched on a minute ago, that can really get in the way of you living your bigger and better life as one of my past clients used to say. And the last thing here that I want to touch on is it's coming at the expense of your time and your energy and all that is associated with that. As I said a couple of moments ago, time is that one resource that we cannot magically add more of to our lives and we can't renew, right? When the minute is over, it is over. When the years are over, they are over and we really can't get that back. So if you are sitting here saying, oh my goodness, Claire is reading my mind, then again, I, I'm happy you're here because if this is resonating, that really just goes to show that you're in the right place and you know, 2020 is the year that you need to really continue looking for solutions to mend, heal, and strengthen your relationship with food. And last thing, I know I said last thing to the last thing, but <laughs> I lied. Um, what happens, you know, if these problems aren't solved, if you don't continue moving towards intuitive eating and away from these diet culture matches it, messages is eventually we succumb to dieting in this endless cycle for the rest of our lives. And anyone who has ever been on this cycle that I'm going to talk about and describe here in a few minutes knows it is not fun. 
It is not the definition of health that we want to pursue, and it is not something that is truly sustainable or enjoyable for the rest of our lives. So if you are here listening, I don't want you to be on that diet roller coaster, the hamster wheel, whatever analogy you want to make for the rest of your life, and we're going to talk about how to get away from that. But before we do so, I think it's really important to... (laughs) say how, right? You know, Claire, you're talking about here um, all of these things that will happen if I don't improve my relationship with food, and I want you to tell me how, so gosh darn it, why don't you tell me how, Claire? So um, what I want to do first before I share with you how and what a non-diet goal even is, I think it's really important to spend a little bit of time focusing on why conventional New Year's health goals fail. And again, I know you you can't see me right now, but when I'm saying the word health in that context, I'm really using that in heavy air quotes because something that I find, and maybe you have noticed this as well, but many of the health goals and resolutions that we see being touted around this time of year are very much connected to and entangled with dieting and restriction and weight loss and, you know, cutting entire food groups out of our lives. And they really boil down to these goals that are focused on manipulating how we show up in the world and what we do do or do not put in our bodies. And that, my friends, is not a sustainable or a happy way to make change for the rest of your life. So I keep referring to here, I keep saying the diet cycle, the hamster wheel, the roller coaster. I'll kind of continue to use all of those interchangeably, but I'd love to first walk you through just the cycle of dieting and why it fails, not because of you or a lack of willpower or because you're broken, but it really fails, A, because we live in this cultural paradigm that you know pushes us towards this definition of health that is very one-sided and be it fails because of our biology that is really you know hardwired to help us survive and thrive and pass down our genes to um, generations and generations to come so I have a a graphic here that of course you can't see here if you're listening to the podcast, but I want you to just envision a circle with arrows going around. So we have here at the top a bubble that is really the the moment that a, a diet is initiated. So this kind of ties into that cultural paradigm I was speaking of a moment ago where we live in a society that says you have to control your food choices and you need to control your body because bodies need to be controlled or you know if you're living in a larger body then your body is bad. You know all of these things that are really making us feel Well, if I'm not working on a plan or if I'm not working to tightly control what goes into my mouth, then who knows what my body might do and I cannot trust my body to, you know, operate and survive on its own. So we say, all right, gaining control and how do I do that? Well, I go on a diet. So we hop on a diet plan, maybe it's January 1st or maybe by the time you listen to this, it's January 8th (laughs) and what dieting entails is restricting restricting a specific food or an amount of food or a specific food group from your life and we vow to ourselves I will never have x y and z food again 
Have you ever done that to yourself? I know back in my, my you know, studying to become a dietitian days or my more disordered eating days, I definitely said that, you know, I'm cutting this food out because it's bad or whatever our reasoning might be and I'm never going to eat it ever again. And sure, maybe that works for a little bit of time because we have that sense of renewed willpower, right? We say, I'm doing this thing. It's going to be good for me. It's going to give me everything I've ever wanted. So I'm starting out really strong. And then maybe a couple days, maybe a week, maybe if you're lucky, a month or two go by. And what happens almost inevitably is we eventually start to crave those foods that we have vowed we're never going to eat again. We start having cravings for them. We start, you know, feeling that increased sense of hunger because wouldn't you know it, our body likely needs much of what we are cutting out, especially if we're just not eating enough in general. Our body is hungry and it is wired for survival. So it's going to start saying, hey, you know, hey, you, I need food. And it's going to start make you, it's going to start making you I think I said that right, think about food way more often than you would probably like to or way more often than you would deem is okay or air quotes normal. So what happens then is we start to feel rather out of control around food. We say, oh my gosh, I'm obsessing over food. What's wrong with me? I need to exert more control and go on, you know, even more into a deeper spiral in this dieting rabbit hole because I still feel out of control. So we tighten the grip. And what happens then is 9.99 times out of 10, it leads us to a binge of some sorts. It leads us to maybe eating more than we would like to in one sitting and feeling rather uncomfortable and also rather guilty and shameful after we do so. So that last supper mentality that we had a few moments ago of I'll never have this food again has now failed us, but when we start to open the floodgates to that food and we eat some, we start saying, you know, I'm doing a bad thing. I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, of course this is going to happen because I have no control. So it's it's very, you know, positively reaffirmed all of those thoughts and beliefs that we had about ourselves of I'm out of control I knew this was going to happen and well I might as well eat all of it right now because once I'm over with this eating episode binge whatever we want to call it then you know this is the day that I'm starting the diet right then we really swear off of that and that last supper mentality comes back and in the process of all of this again as I said a moment ago we feel guilty we feel shameful we feel as if we failed or were not enough because we couldn't do the one thing that we vowed we would do heading into the new year. We ate the carbs, we ate the food, and that was my one goal and I've wrecked it. So now what do I have to do? Well, I have to gain control once again by going on a diet and the cycle repeats itself. Does that feel familiar? I get very passionate and involved when I'm describing that because I know I have been in a similar position and I'm willing to guess that maybe you have as well if you are listening to this podcast. But the piece of, of research or information that I will add with this cycle of dieting that we see, we know that 80 to 95% of all diets fail within two to five years of initiation and any weight that might have been lost is regained. And for one third to two thirds of those individuals, the weight is not only regained, but it's usually regained and then some. 
So again, we start feeling, well, I'm out of control. I did this thing to make my body smaller. And not only did I fail, but now my body is even bigger than I intended or than I was hoping it would be. So the cycle repeats itself. And what we know to be true based on the set point theory is that dieting alone or the cycle that I'm referring to is the biggest predictor of weight gain in and of itself. And I like to point out here with this fact that I am by no means trying to insinuate that weight loss itself is bad. In many cases, weight loss is a very natural, or weight gain rather, did I say weight loss before? I meant weight gain. Um, I am not meaning to insinuate that weight gain is bad because oftentimes it is our body's way of protecting itself or it is very natural as a consequence of aging and experiencing changes in our bodies. So weight gain in and of itself is not bad or is not negative. The reason why I'm pointing this out, it is simply ironic that weight gain is the one thing that dieting is trying to prevent and in the long run we see that dieting alone is the biggest predictor of an increase in body size so again i wish you could see what i have on my screen here anyone who attended my webinar can maybe flash back to this graphic but it's something made by beth rosen she's another um, dietitian and, and it has here the, the set point theory, meaning our bodies are all genetically determined, determined to fall within a certain range of weight. And again, that is determined by something that is out of our control, by our genetics, by you know how we grew up, by our socioeconomic, stat, socioeconomic status, and you know all of the information that we might have had access to when we were younger. So you know body size, we're all genetically determined to be within this range and we say, you know, um, my body is bad again because of this information that we receive because of the diet culture we live in. We go on this diet and we might feel success for a short amount of time, whatever that success might mean. Maybe you do see weight loss, maybe for a certain amount of time you feel more in control and your body becomes smaller or you lose weight. Um, but what happens there, again, coming back to that cycle that we talked about a few moments ago, is we realize uh, last supper mentality gets the best of us. We lose control, we binge, we you know vow off of that diet because it wasn't sustainable because our body needed the fuel it needed the energy again it's not a lack of willpower it's the fault of the diet itself so what happens then is we start to return to our normal ways of eating and our body gains weight and again it's not a bad thing the body says oh my goodness I've been through a famine I need to conserve my energy I need to gain weight as a protective mechanism because I don't know when I'm going to go through this period of starvation next so what happens then is the cycle starts over. We say, oh no, it's happened again. My body's bad. It's wrong. I can't be trusted around food. So we start the cycle over and then the weight is regained. And we call this, you know, yo-yo dieting. We call it the set point theory of, you know, dieting being the instigator of, of this change that ends up being rather negative over time because it convinces us that I'm bad. I'm out of control around food and look what has happened. My body is bigger. It's very much this, you know, ingenious thing that the diet culture that we live in has, you know, created marketing and programs and all of these things around because of course, in that moment of despair, 
despair when we feel like we failed, we're going to reach out for help and they say, oh, buy this 30-day program, it will help you, right? But then on day 30, we're really back where we began. So if you have ever been through this cycle, I want to send you a lot of compassion and say you are not wrong for believing the messages, you are not wrong for dieting or for pursuing, you know, whatever version of health you may have done in the past. But I really want to spend the the next few moments talking about, well, if this isn't an option, or if I want to get off of this roller coaster or this cycle for good, how do I do that? And how do I speak to myself throughout that process? So one last thing though about, you know, the set point theory and talking about weight cycling here is weight cycling or being up and down and all around and really having no consistency there in our weight is alone not good for health. And dieting, again, alone can trigger negative body image, disordered eating behaviors, and eating disorders. So again, it just really is ironic that this thing that we are taught will help us to feel better, to increase our levels of health actually does quite the opposite in the long run. And the last thing I'll touch on here, I think I said this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but the $72 billion diet industry, that's just in the US here alone, profits off of this cycle. So that kind of ties into what I said a moment ago, and I think it speaks for itself that this is not really as much about health as it is about money and making the world go round in that way. So tip number one that I have for you, actually getting to the meat and potatoes, like I said earlier of our episode, um, tip number one that I have for you when you are looking to get out of this cycle and set non-diet goals for yourself is to ask yourself, what do you really want? So in my experience, underneath every dieting goal lies something much deeper. And I want to use the example here of air quote, you know, I want to lose weight um, because it's something that I see a lot around this time of year and it's something that I also find isn't really just about losing weight. Oftentimes, and these examples that I have here are actually lines and phrases and and motivations that people have shared with me in the past when they've told me, Claire, I want to lose weight or I want to change my body and I always validate. I say, okay, you are right, you are worthy of having that thought and belief, and I'm not trying to change your mind, right, because you are your autonomous, um, you are your own person, an autonomous human being, but what do you really want? Or what do you think that that weight loss or that changing your body is going to give you? And I've often heard people say, well, Claire, I want to feel better. And I just want to be more comfortable in my body. Or maybe it's fixated on energy, right? I want to have more energy to show up for my life and be a better version of me. Or maybe it's, I want to be able to move my body in a way that feels good and in a way that I don't feel pain or or whatever that might look like for you. Maybe it's fixated around food. Maybe you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, Claire, I want to feel less out of control around food. I want to eat, I want to enjoy, and I want to leave it at that. I don't want food to be this all-consuming thing in my head. Or maybe you're even saying, well, I want to improve my health. And the only picture that I've had for that throughout the majority of my life is, well, what can I cut out of my life? Or, you know, how do I have to manipulate my my body or report to the scale in order to improve my health. 
And tip number two kind of stems off of tip number one, but the second tip kind of holding all of these examples that I just mentioned in your mind is to recognize that all of these goals are possible without turning to restriction or weight focus goals. You know, you can learn ways to feel better and more comfortable in your body while focusing on behavior-focused goals. You can have more energy. You can move your body in a way that feels good. You can work to feel less out of control and chaotic around food. And you can work to improve your health in a way that doesn't involve cutting out an entire macronutrient group or going on Whole30 or reporting to the scale and taking photos of your body you know that process that might feel really shameful and really harmful you can do all of these things without going down that 72 billion dollar dieting rabbit hole and the way that we do that is by focusing on behaviors how many more times can i say the b word uh, that you enjoy and really make sense for your life and i like to say here i actually made a post yesterday on instagram that was really focusing on the idea that weight is not a behavior right things like moving your body in ways that feel good and accessible to you, that's a behavior. Or drinking enough water or journaling in the evening, watching the quality of your self-talk, all of those things that you can actively choose to do or not do or to engage in or not to engage in, those are behaviors, but weight or hair color or skin color, unless you dye your hair, but you know, natural hair color, skin color, shoe size, any of that, those are not behaviors because you were born not having full control over those. And why would we set goals to change things that we don't have full control over? So, um, yes, that is what I want to say about that. So kind of going off of tip number two. We have different types of behaviors, kind of as I was mentioning a few moments ago. And for the purpose of the rest of our podcast here, I want to dive into three main categories that I choose to help my clients with. Of course, there are behavior categories that extend past these three, but for conversation's sake, we're going to focus on these three. So uh, food behaviors, movement behaviors, and self-care behaviors, or as my clients and I like to call them, eat gently talking about our relationship with food move freely i think you can put two and two together on that one and love fiercely which is talking about our self-care behaviors and how we talk to ourselves how we you know spend our time and energy in ways that might not be food or movement focused So we'll dive in first with food behaviors. Now, as I'm going through this, you might find it helpful to maybe jot a couple of ideas down, or if you're driving, definitely don't do that. That's not safe. But as I'm kind of going through examples and what these behaviors might look like, just kind of see what really stands out to you. Anything that really hits home as, oh, that's something that I really want to work on and want to improve upon in the new year. So when we're talking about food behaviors, we're really talking about ways to improve flexibility and satisfaction and enjoyment around your food choices. So if you have been tracking on my fitness pal and you're realizing I have zero flexibility with this because whenever I go out to eat, I cannot choose anything off the menu without freaking out if I don't know the calorie content. So maybe that's a way you work to improve flexibility by ditching that tracking device and reaching out for help throughout that process if you feel like you need it. 
Maybe when we're talking about satisfaction and enjoyment, your goal might be to explore new and exciting foods that maybe you have never tried before, or maybe you've never tried them because they've always been too tightly connected with a dieting effort or trying to manipulate your body. But then you realize when the goal is to enjoy and find out your food preferences and and how you want to eat, then a little bit of that, that stigma goes away and you can start to figure out, well, what types of foods? do bring me satisfaction and in what amounts and what temperature do I want those foods to be, right? All of those things. Another um, idea or maybe category you can think about is finding ways to reconnect with and reestablish trust with the the signals that your body sends you around food. So things like your hunger cues, your fullness cues, what are your cravings and how can you find ways to honor them instead of interrogate them? As my friend Christina Johnson says, our episode together about that exact topic, I believe was two episodes ago. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Um, But when we're talking about things like hunger and fullness cues, I just like to say if you've been dieting or maybe you've been involving yourself with some disordered behaviors for a long while, it's totally normal to feel like you have lost connection with what hunger and fullness even feel like. And if that's the case for you, I want to encourage you to have a lot of compassion for yourself throughout that process and also to maybe reach out to a professional who can help guide you throughout that process and help to make sure that you are eating enough, especially if you're coming from an eating disorder or a disordered eating background, uh, that you're eating enough so that your cues can start to re-regulate and re-establish themselves in a way that it is worthy of your trust. Uh, Maybe something else that you want to look for here is challenging food rules and food fears. So if you have been living with that laundry list of can and can'ts around food, maybe this category of behavior change could be really impactful for you. Maybe you say, well, I've really feared... X food. Let's just use cookies for example. I was having a conversation with a client not too long ago about this, so it's at the front of my mind. So if cookies have been something that you have vowed to keep out of your house and to never bring in again, right? That last supper mentality that we were talking about a few moments ago. Maybe you say, well, let me challenge that because I know that I cannot live in a bubble where cookies don't exist. So what might it feel like if I brought these foods, these cookies rather into my house and just practiced having them around, knowing at the beginning of this process, I might eat a lot of them and that's okay because it's in an effort to spend the rest of my life not feeling controlled by the presence of these cookies or not feeling so out of control around them because you know that they're always going to be available. And the last thing that I want to touch on here with food behaviors is acknowledging that nutrition is only one part of health. So of course, I believe in the power of nutrition. I love it. I think food is wonderful and it is important and different foods offer our bodies different things, but it is not the only thing that we need to focus on to live a happy and a healthy life. And if you're getting to a place in your relationship with your health or nutrition where It is taking over every other aspect or dimension of your health, like mental health, like we were talking about earlier, or your social, emotional, spiritual health, anything else that really plays into your long-term health outcomes, then that might just be a red flag indicator that something needs to change and you might need to loosen the grip in some of these categories. 
So on the webinar, I actually gave some examples from my clients about what these goals looked like in action. But since you can't see my screen, I think I'm going to make a game time decision to pass those over. If you want my slides, if you want this exact PowerPoint, I'd be more than happy to send it to you. So just shoot me a DM or an email, yours truly nutrition at gmail.com. And I'd be really happy to send them your way. So you have all of these um, little nuggets of information. But next category is movement behavior. So when we're talking about ways to increase or improve rather our relationship with movement, we're again talking about ways to increase flexibility and enjoyment around movement patterns. So maybe you enter into what I call an exploratory phase with movement. You know, if movement has always had to look a certain way for you, or it was tied to a certain amount of time that you had to be moving your body or, you know, a certain number of calories that you had to burn, I really want to encourage you to ditch those devices, to ditch that mindset of my movement has to look a certain way and rather ask yourself, well, what type of movement might I enjoy or might I feel like doing? And maybe your answer some days is none. And that's perfectly okay because allowing adequate rest is a big part of this behavior category. But maybe you just want to rediscover moving in a way that's uncoupled from body shame or punishing your body or weight loss and just seeing what that feels like to move for the sake of moving to reduce stress, to feel those endorphins running through your body, to you know see how you might feel different in your body, less aches and pains, maybe uh, increased range of motion, whatever that might mean for you when it's taken away from this really negative stigma of I have to use this to manipulate my body or it has to look a certain way. And I mentioned this a few moments ago, but I know fitness trackers are a really big thing nowadays and I don't think they're inherently bad because many people can use them and be completely fine and still move freely. But if you're walking in, pun intended, to this new year, um, feeling like I can't move without this thing being on, or I have to reach X number of steps daily in order to feel good about myself, then that might be, yet again, just a red flag indicator to let you know something around this might need shifting or, or changing or something, you know, just might need to be a little bit different. Last thing here, uh, self-care behavior. So again, this falls into the love fiercely category of my program with all of my one-on-one -on -one clients. But when we are talking about behaviors in this category, we're talking about improving the quality of our self-talk learning ways to enhance body image and body confidence. Uh, in the future here of 2020, I'm going to be interviewing Body Image with Brie. I am so excited to have her on. If you do not follow her already on Instagram, be sure to do so. That was her handle that I just shared. But Brie is a wonderful resource in the world of body image. And I'm going to hold off on the totality of this conversation because I know she will bring loads and loads of value to this category of behavior change. But just to kind of get you started, how do you speak about your body? Are we focusing on, you know, berating and beating ourselves up? Or can we shift the focus to, you know, what's one thing my body has done today to keep me alive or to work in? In favor of keeping me safe, you know, protected, whatever that might look for you. So focusing maybe on the functionality rather than how your body appears. Um, another thing that could be in this category 
is finding ways to cope with stress beyond food and movement. So I like to make very clear that coping with stress with food and movement behaviors can be positive and rather benign ways to cope with stress in some cases. However, if they are coming, becoming rather the only outlets that you use to deal with stress or any other type of negative emotion, then you might need to just start exploring what other tools might I have in my toolbox to maybe be a little bit more balanced or well-rounded in my coping strategies because coping with food is is very natural. We learn that from a young age. Again, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but if it's taking up all of our coping mechanisms or it's the only thing we use, then we might need to shift our focus elsewhere. And the last thing in this category that I like to touch on is just starting to discover life-enhancing practices like reading or meditating or nurturing meaningful relationships or any other hobbies, just things that you like to do that add value to your life that maybe preferably in this category, have absolutely nothing to do with food and movement. They are totally separate. They are allowing you to really focus on and nurture water, whatever you want to say, those other areas of your health that aren't dictated by physical means, you know, health, um, food rather, movement, anything kind of in that category. As you can tell, my my words are starting to escape me after 40-some minutes of talk. 51 minutes, actually. Wow, we've been going at it for a while. Um, so really, those are the three main categories that I wanted to bring to light here. And tip three that I want to offer you is after hearing all of these categories of behavior-focused changes, you know, food, movement, and self-care, I'd like to encourage you to identify your lowest hanging fruit. This is the analogy that I have for maybe the one or two things that you can start with that you feel like need the most work in your life. So throughout me talking on this podcast, I asked you a few moments ago to just listen for what might resonate most with you and figure out if there's a way for you to start there. So maybe there was something in the food category that you were like, oh my goodness, I need to work on that. Or maybe it was the self-care category. I really encourage people to start in one of those two places because we really can't move freely or find a way to move our bodies that we enjoy if we are not eating if we are not resting and if we are not taking care of our bodies in those ways first before we find ways to move them. So once you've identified the first one or two things, I want you to write them down or make them visible to yourself in some way, shape, or form because it's great to listen to something like this and to set an intention, but it's also really easy to walk away from this and life happens, we forget, and it's really easy to kind of let these intentions fall to the back burner but you're here for a reason right we talked about this at the beginning of the episode something you have been doing has not been working or serving you so I really think you um, might owe it to yourself to think about these things and work towards them in any way that makes sense for you And then the last tip that I have for you, once you have identified your one or two lowest hanging fruits, is to find the first step that you can take today. I think it's really easy, again, to set these goals or intentions, but then when you realize they're connected to pretty big things, right? 
and we talk about something like improving your relationship with food, there's a lot that goes into that and it can feel kind of overwhelming and it's it's human nature to sometimes put that off because it is scary and there is a lot of stuff that goes into that. But I want to encourage you to break these things down into an even more bite-sized chunk pun 300% intended, to ask, well, what is one thing that I can do today to just get myself moving in that direction? So maybe if your goal was to reduce a fear food, maybe first step is just adding that food to your grocery list so you don't forget about it. Or maybe if your goal was to increase your hydration levels, maybe goal number one is to end this podcast, find the nearest water bottle and take a couple of big sips and say, hey, water bottle. You're my best friend from now on, and we're just going everywhere together, right? Just these tiny little ways that you can break down these big, really powerful goals that will produce really meaningful change over time and make them a little bit less intimidating here at the start. So I really, really hope that this podcast was helpful for you. If you missed out on the opportunity to tune into our webinar, I hope this made you feel a little bit less FOMO. Uh, I didn't include a couple of things that were in the webinar just for the sake of time here because we had a couple of segments at the beginning of our podcast, but I want to thank you for tuning in once again. I would love to know as you are wrapping up listening to this episode, What are your lowest hanging fruits that you are going to start working on heading into this year? Goals work best in a community of support. So please, if you are not already in our Facebook community, come and join us. I would love for you to share those goals with the community that this podcast helped you to identify. If you're not on Facebook or the community setting isn't for you, you are always welcome to shoot me a DM or an email. Once again, yours, nutrition at gmail.com. Let me know what you are working on. I would love to be that person who helps to cheer you on, you know, that person who can be your sounding board just to let you know that someone's looking out for you and someone is rooting for you. So until next time, my friends here on the podcast, wishing you a very happy week, uh, second week rather of 2020 and I will be back next week with another episode of the pod. Yours truly, Claire.